Welcome to Story Smack. This is Story Smack, a podcast about stories and storytellers in the world of pop culture. My name is A. Kovacs, audiobook narrator and founding partner at Empty Set Entertainment. And my name is Scott Sigler. And when 900 years old you reach, look as good you will not. You are not 900 years old. I I know, but I've been working a lot lately and sometimes I kind of look like it. (laughs) This is episode 34 of Story Smack and we're going to talk a little Star Wars action this week. FDO, it's been almost two months since we did an episode. You've been pretty busy, haven't you? Uh, Busier than a Jawa at a droid swap meet. Tell the people what you've been doing that you've been so busy. In the two months since we did an episode, I've written almost 100,000 words in Mount Fitzroy, which is the sequel to our best-selling novel, Earthcore, which, by the way, is finally on print on April 3rd, 2018. You can order the ebook or audiobook of Earthcore right now or pre-order the print edition and all of those links are available at scottsigler.com slash earthcore. And as the publisher, I should mention we do not have a print date for the long-awaited Mount Fitzroy. Not but yet. we think it might be at least on sale, pre-order by the end of 2018. Mm. Here's hoping that that's true. A lot of fans have been waiting a really long time for this they book. Have. I promised this book uh, like 12 years ago. I said, that'll be out in a couple of months. And it was obviously not a couple of months. But let's get back to the meat of this episode. We're talking Star Wars. No, sorry to disappoint you, we're not going to debate the qualities of The Last Jedi or talk about any of that prequel schlock, which is always fun. We're talking about one of the big three. We are talking about The Return of the Jedi. (laughs) There was this great article recently at uprocks.com written by Mike Ryan that has blown up on the internet. It's all over, yeah. The title of the article is We Dare You to Explain Luke's Plan to Rescue Han in Return of the Jedi. Usually you see something like this, We Dare You headlines, they're very clear baby and uh, maybe this one is too because it got me to click but for once uh, this isn't something about this isn't something punching up down left right or in any other direction it's just a fun article that takes a look at a conundrum that I would like to point out before I read the article, I did not know this conundrum existed. <laughs> exactly. And now it's all I can think about. So let's go over Ryan's article. All right, we're going to go over this uh we're going to read a bunch of this verbatim because Ryan's writing is is quite fun. He certainly has a good time with it. Um, <clears throat> he was at a bar, hanging out with his friends, and this bar plays Return of the Jedi frequently, so obviously pretty fucking cool bar, right? Yeah, Mike says it's, it is his favorite movie. It is his favorite movie, uh, and th- he says it's a movie where a lot of character decisions make almost no sense, which is sort of part and parcel for the Star Wars franchise. There's a lot of stuff going on. You're like, why, why would they do that? Why wouldn't they do this thing over space here? Space battles are, you don't, you don't have a lot of space battle well, experience, I would say. Why would they keep that part secret? It doesn't make any sense. I, you don't understand the ways of the intergalactic <laughs> politics. I've never been in a space battle, but I played many on video games. And so I, I seem to know what's going on. So here is the question that he proposed that he says there's no proper answer to, at least with his crew. If Luke's plan to rescue Han from Jabba had worked perfectly, what would that plan have been? Well, then this is great because you sent this to me. You're like, oh my goodness, you have to read this movie and talk about this. <laughs> and I read to that point and I, to be honest, haven't seen it all over the internet because I've been busy too. So ah. I, you sent it to me and I was like, okay. I didn't click and read it. And I got there and I was like, well, obviously, oh, 
Oh. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. I mean, because I was all puffed out and high and mighty about it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, obviously, the, the R2D, okay. Oh, I see. I was, I was the same thing. I'm like, I'm like, whatever, millennial. Let me read this and I'll answer all of your questions Turns for you. Out. <laughs> Turns out neither, I could neither answer the questions nor is he probably a millennial. Um, <clears throat> don't know. I know nothing about the gentleman other than he's a funny writer. So first point he brings up. See, oh, by the way, spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler alert for Return of the Jedi. If you have not seen Return of the Jedi, uh, no one can help you. I'm very sorry. Point one, C-3PO and R2-D2. I'll read what he has here. They are the first characters we see show up at Jabba's, pl- Jabba's palace. R2-D2 plays recording Luke Skywalker, who states that he'd like to bargain for Han, and as a gesture of goodwill, gives Jabba, C-3PO, and R2-D2 as gifts. So now right off the bat, C-3PO and R2-D2 are captured. And yes, Luke knowing that Jabba would turn down Luke's offer for bargain was probably part of his plan. But I do wonder what would have happened if Jabba had said, oh, this is a good deal. Yes, I accept these droids and you may have Han Solo. Which I totally love. Picturing <laughs> that in my head. Like, <laughs> you know? And that little guy in his lap, hopefully translating your laughing, um, whatever the hell his name was, Snivial Snape, I can't remember. What would Luke have done then? I think in good faith, Luke would have just had to leave C-3PO and R2-D2 behind. And we would have gotten a scene with a forlorn Luke telling Leah, yeah, I guess I really misjudged Jabba. He seems nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So to his point, if there is a master plan and the first part of that plan that we see are the droids being surrendered to the enemy, yeah. I'm with the fine Mr. Ryan here. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to start this way. Plus, there's... The complexity of, we'll get to the fact that Luke's lightsaber is in R2 already. Yeah. Right? So here's it. Luke knows they're not going to take the droids. But if he does take the droids, now he's lost his freaking lightsaber. Well, right. Well, this is, this is further to this, to this question that Mike Ryan posits. Like, okay, this was the plan all along. So you give up the one weapon that you've had the most success with. Mm-hmm potentially forever mm-hmm. by hiding it in the belly of your droid right. that you willingly donate to your enemy. Now we can assume that Jabba's got some kind of door security that's going to at least frisk Luke, right? Which, although that doesn't happen, we right. can assume Luke assumes that Luke gets the guy with a big tentacle head that wraps around his neck. <laughs> we won't say what it actually looks like, but uh, it, this guy um, gets mind controlled right off the bat. So nobody frisks Luke. So Luke mm-hmm. could have walked in with his lightsaber, maybe, but he still stashes it in R2-D2. What is, and the point of this article is, what's the point of that stashing? Right. And you cover it. Like he talks, Mike Ryan talks about like, sure, sure. He might've thought he got, he, he'd get frisked, but he didn't get frisks. But more than that, there, there is really no plan in there for them, like that we ever see for them to reconnect yeah. either. And so why give your only weapon, or at least the weapon you're most talented with... The weapon of your ancestors. Potentially away forever if you have no, hey, once we're all on the inside, let's get back together and you give me my weapon. Also, (laughs) I know this is getting severely uh, picayune, however, pretty sure 
crime boss job of the hut would have some kind of scanner to see if there's any weapons hidden inside of a freaking droid well, or a bomb or anything like that. Well, and there's the bigger thing also, which is, oh, the droids that Luke Skywalker gave him just happened to one, stay together, mm-hmm. two, stay right in the court with him. Oh. Like why didn't why didn't they end up like in the kitchen chopping onions? I don't know. Well, a translation droid, protocol droids do not chop onions, ma'am. Except R two D two could chop an onion with the best of them. Maybe, maybe he's got like a million little things in that little rotor rooter sonic screwdriver. You know what? He, you know what that sonic screwdriver? You know what he, that could have been good for? Slap and chop. He's a slap chop guy. He could be cutting up all the stuff. <laughs> yes. So then we're and then here's a paragraph from Mr. Uh, Mr. Ryan, and then we're going to A and I are going to do uh, Story Smack Theater for you for oh only the, for only the second time. <clears throat> Lando. So Lando is already working as a skiff guard when Return of the Jedi opens. Uh, he's always wondered about this. Uh, Mike says he's always wondered about the interview process. I can only assume Lando had to interview someone higher up, like Bib Fortuna. You be Bib. So. You want to be our new skiff guard. I do. You look familiar. Nope. I'm just a resident of Tatooine looking for a job. Do you like the musical stylings of of the Max Rebo band? Yes, I do. Well, you're hired. Head downstairs past the dungeon and the Rancor pit, and we can get you set up with a uniform and a helmet mask. Yes, of course, get of the mask. Anyway, uh, even though Lando is there, he doesn't really do much till later, do much later until the plan is revealed, except... To let us know is there. We see, we see Billy D. Williams' dreamy eyes looking out over the mm-hmm. over the top of that mask. It's true. And you're like, oh, man, I'd like a Colt 45 right now. <laughs> That's you're every very time old. I see every you're time I see, I, I, like, I want a Colt 45 and I want to smile pretty at the ladies. There yeah. is a vast number of people in your audience <laughs> currently googling Colt 45. What is he talking Lando about? Lando and Colt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so now we get to now things. Now the shit really starts to hit oh, the yeah. wall. The plan is coming. <laughs> together. <laughs> now it's now we start to get into the this is ludicrous level. We're only halfway through. It gets worse. Leah disguises a bounty hunter named Boosh. Leah strolls in and hands over Chewbacca. So already three of our heroes have been captured as part of this. Let's as part of this, let's all just surrender plan. Later that night, Leah unfreezes hand, but as they start to make their getaway, Jabba and all his friends are literally hiding behind a curtain and capture Leah and Han. Okay, I have to jump in here and read this part because I okay. laugh so hard at this part. <laughs> so Mike Ryan goes on to say, I'd watch a whole Star Wars, a Star Wars story shoot-off movie about Jabba planning the, his curtain surprise, and I'd love to see him explain it. And then we'll all just be super quiet and just wait there behind the curtain all night. It's going to be great. Okay, yes, it might take a few hours, but the payoff will be worth it. We will all laugh. I also picture Squidhead back there. Oh, I think I see someone moving. I think this is it. And the rest of the gang all shushing him. Shh, Squidhead, you're going to ruin it. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, It's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so now, including Han, we have five heroes. (laughs) This is the plan so far. Let's leave. We're going to forgive Han. Number one, because he's hot. Number two. Frozen in carbonite. He's frozen in carbonite. There's nothing a brother can do, right? If his friends are going to be idiots, that's not on him. And you can tell by the look on his face that it isn't pleasant to be it wasn't. It wasn't pleasant to get frozen there. He's frozen in carbonite. So Leah has walked in and handed over Chewy, a restrained Chewy, or is he? Now we have these two people wind up getting captured. We've got the two droids and we've wait, got Han. Leia's not captured. She's just <clears throat> hanging out. Well, she got that chain on, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, fair, fair. Jabba yeah. got her all iced up. Mm-mm-mm. I don't think she's iced up at all. <clears throat> okay. Um, y- yes. She's got a chain. She's got beautiful chains upon her neck. But it's ice, great. Ice is diamonds. I'm sure there's diamonds in there somewhere. Oh, okay. She's gold. She's fine. Now, now I'll pick up from Mr. Ryan's writing for Luke. And now what starts to feel like a repetitive SNL sketch, Luke Skywalker is the fifth hero to stand before Jabba and start demanding the release of Solo and Chewbacca. What's Jabba thinking at this point? I can only guess. This has been a weird day. So at this point, Luke tries to use a Jedi mind trick on Jabba, to which Jabba responds, your mind powers will not work on me, boy. Was this the plan? Did everything get thrown off right there? When that didn't work, was Luke thinking, oh, crap, well, now we're really screwed. (laughs) Luke then tells Jabba he can either profit or be destroyed. Jabba, kind of understandably, reacts unfavorably to this demand and sends Luke down to the Rancor pit. Anyway, the end result is Luke gets captured. Now, everyone but Lando is captured. And Lando is willingly working for the enemy. Uh, well, he's a, he's a plant, right? We know La- La- well, we don't know if Lando's came up. We don't know if he came on his own. We don't know if he came as part of Leah's plan. We don't know if he came as part of Luke's plan. And we, I, so I, I think know. we're sort of jumping ahead of the article here because that is the sort of the point that, that Mike Ryan okay. is making okay. is maybe the only way it makes sense is if they didn't know each other would be there. So Luke kills the Rancor and then, you know, like, like it happens in all movies, Jabba, instead of just killing the dude, shoot him. He's right there. Put a, put a bullet in his head. He's right there. Just shoot him. Uh, he decides he's going to take him for a little sightseeing, take him out to the Sarlacc pit. No, Mr. Skywalker. I expect, <laughs> expect you, you to die. I expect you to die. And we pick up Mike's article. Everything culminates when Luke, Han, and Chewbacca are going to be thrown in the Sarlacc. Luke signals for R2-D2 to shoot him over his lightsaber, and after a dazzling backflip, Luke starts killing hardworking blue-collar skiff guards. There is no way this was, quote, the plan, end quote. Yes, Luke 
planted planned for his lightsaber to be with R2-D2, but there is no way this was Luke playing three-dimensional chess. And then, after I beat the Rancor, instead of killing all right there on the spot, Jabba will send us to the Sarlacc, and that's where we will make our move. So let's try to not pretend that was his plan, which, believe it or not, people who didn't read the whole article actually commented in the comments the plan that was since, pit. since Luke grew up on Tatooine, he probably knew the reputation of the local crime lord, and he probably knew the local crime lord would take him to the Sarlacc pit. So now there's actual, it's not as bad as Prometheus apologists, but it's, it's pretty bad. Hmm. It's, it's pretty bad. Uh, so Mike says there's too many variables, or uh, Ryan says there's too many variables, and that would have to assume that Leon knew her and Han would be captured after she unfroze him, which also makes no sense. Speaking of that, what happens if those two had just walked out? Do we go back to Luke? Hmm. Well, this is good news that you two escaped, but before all this, Jabba had one of us, and now he has three. Maybe we should have thought this plan through a bit more, because <laughs> <laughs> Chewbacca would have been screwed. Right. So back to the night at the bar. Um, Mike, Ryan and his friends came up with one explanation. It's the only thing that even starts to make sense, although it still doesn't make total sense. That Luke, Lando, and Leah never once spoke to each other about rescuing Han. It's just coincidence they were all there at the same time. Or if they did speak before, they all just said things like, well, you know, he was deserting us anyway. I think we should just forget about him as they secretly forged their own separate <laughs> missions. Which, of course, makes no sense at all that Luke and Leia would not have talked to each other. No. That doesn't make any, any, any sense at all. Yeah, it makes it makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, not that the plan, the Sarlacc pit plan makes sense. <laughs> and if this is the case, that they all hatch this plan separately, you've got Lando hanging out on his own, just peeping over the top of that mask. Any thinking, day now, I'm going to do something. Thinking, I sure would like a tasty malt liquor. <laughs> still, and, still with that. You're just going to beat that dead horse. <laughs> it was the best commercial ever. It was a very I good mean, commercial. Yes. Yes. I, well. uh, so he's doing a skip job. Casing the place out, playing all the angles, deciding what's the best time to make his move. And when the droids show up, throws off his whole plan. And when we first see Lando, he kind of has that look on his face like, well, this is going to mess up everything. Well, then you have to wonder, though, like what made everybody then, presuming they didn't talk to each other beforehand, Mm -hmm. what made Lando say, well, clearly Luke's plan is better than mine. We'll just do whatever Luke wants. Instead of like, dude, I got this all planned out. I know. That's the one thing. The one thing you, you watch, you watch Lando and you're like, he had it fine. He infiltrated the criminal organization. Right. He's probably working his way up the ladder. Nobody's in the, the worst for wear. Being careful not to let anybody see that little pencil mustache, you know, because sure, it's sure. a dead giveaway. A lot of people knew who this brother was, right? Exactly. Yeah. He, he, he like, he ran Bespin. He knows what's up. People know this man, but he's sneaking his way through the organization and it's he's just waiting for the right the opportunity. Mask. Good thing. And you know what? And he probably knew that those bitches never go to sleep. They drink all night. They hide behind a curtain and they just wait for someone to try and rescue Han. He knew that. I mean, if he knew that, though, he could have actually, they, they would have been standing behind that curtain for hours. He could have just captured them. Uh, there's a lot of orcs in that room. <laughs> I mean, my point is... A they, lot of orcs with axe guns. But they weren't standing outside the curtain guarding Jabba the Hutt. I don't think he could blow his, blow his cover. He's sitting there, Lando's, pre- Lando's probably like, man, these motherfuckers are going to get captured too. Now I'm going to have to rescue everybody. I'm going to have to rescue C-3PO, I... R2-D2, Chewbacca, Leah, and Han, who's my old buddy Han. So I love Han, who is my old buddy Han. Yes. Han, old buddy. I, uh, <laughs> I loved this article, especially because of the preciousness with which some people regard the what we'll call the original trio of movies. Yeah, we talked about this. Uh, I wasn't crazy about The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. And I 
we may have talked about this on the cast, I'm not sure. But then I started asking myself, okay, there's so many ridiculous plot holes, giant gaping plot holes, preposterous character decisions, and then the whole lost factor of, if we just tell everybody the information, everything's fine, so we just won't say anything, and there's no reason not to say anything. Right. And then we started asking, I wonder, if, I wonder if the three we watched when we were kids are that bad, but we just got, they just got ingrained into us, so we never questioned them. Now. Right, and like I said, I know people, I know functioning, functional adults who don't mind the first, the, the one, two, and three, mm-hmm. the New Hope error, because that's the first one they saw, and when they watch our three, uh, our original three, they're like, okay, I see what you're saying. Like, you know, this story makes it is a lot more action packed, but oh my <clears> God, <throat> those awful special effects. Mm, so, you know, y- who you are as a person, when you watch the movie makes a huge see, difference. I too. thought that was because younger people were very stupid, but you're telling me that's not the case. <laughs> see, I'm saying no. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> that's not the case. I've never asked my nephews which ones they like the best. Cause I just don't want to know if, well, they, if the- they really like Jar Jar. I, I don't want well, to know. I don't think anybody really like, cause my nephew's not crazy for Jar Jar, but I'll tell you this. You don't want to ask your nephews or your nieces because here's what one possible answer might be. Oh, I guess they're okay. And that would be worst of all to not have a favorite Star Wars movie at eh. all. I sort of watched them, but I was busy yeah, texting was, yeah, at exactly. the time. You know? I think that might be more painful. And then I had to do a snap, <laughs> so I didn't finish the movie. That'd be tough. Yeah. So last couple of paragraphs in his story. And he goes on with his uh, chewed up, or his uh, only possible explanation. Leah and Chewbacca conspire on their own to infiltrate Jabba's palace with the whole, I brought you Chewbacca, so now let me hang out here and party plan. Leah is thinking she'll unfreeze Han, which she does. Then, I guess, figure out a way to help Chewbacca. And then she had to be wondering what the hell C-3PO was doing there as Jabba's interpreter. Uh, a point thing that bothered me about the movie when I watched it, they know Han is like going to be carbon blind or whatever the hell they call it. They know he's going to have a lot of trouble. He's on a floating, levitating thing. Why not just float him the fuck out of the place? Why wake him up and have the smoochy scene? Well, you know, of course, when everybody's hiding behind the curtain. What's that all about? I don't. I don't have an answer for you, but yeah. I am going to ask if you, you just said one of the things about the movie when I first saw it, yeah. I thought, I, did. So I was like, why is she waking him up? You thought that and you were like 10 years old. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Cause what I was thinking that if any of my friends got frozen as a slab of carbonite, right? Or is it carbonite? Was it carbonite? Yeah. Carbonite. And I had to rescue them. There's absolutely no way I'm not putting some wheels on that sucker and riding it down one of those big ass sand dunes. Right. That would be awesome. Be able to tell your boys, I totally rode you down a sand dune, man. I was doing turns and cuts and everything. Somehow I feel like maybe the sustainability of the, of the sentient or the live being in the carbonite, the carbonite can't be used as a toboggan. <laughs> maybe the t- maybe it couldn't. You can't toboggan with it. It'd be a sand toboggan. It'd be a sand toboggan. Plus, then I'd be able to tell them once I rescue him, wake him up. Yeah, dude, my butt's all over you the whole way down. You are, you are now covered in my butt. Sorry, as, it's the way it goes. As happy as I am that we are friends <laughs> as adults, I am not at all one bit unhappy when we're not friends uh, as I was, children. I was a lot of work for my friends, I won't lie. And then finally, Luke uses the droids as a decoy as a way to sneak his lightsaber into Jabba's palace, which didn't really seem to be needed because no one really checked him for weapons, which we said earlier. But maybe he couldn't rely on that not happening. Luke, that I think is legit. That's a, think, that's yeah. possibly legit. Lucas, and of course, R two D two can you know remotely program deprogram a scanner or whatever. He's mm-hmm. blocked. He's got shielding. Luke is thinking, okay, I'll just cruise in there, do a mind trick, and then we'll get Han and the droids and be back out of their lickety split. 
If there's any problems, R2-D2 will shoot me over my lightsaber. I'll do a dazzling backflip. <laughs> Gotta do a dazzling backflip. I mean, what do you think all that training was for? He's not a very good Jedi. I don't know if you've noticed this. I love that. He's a terrible I Jedi. Mean, I'm not so sure the Jedi are doing all that well. There are a lot of terrible Jedi. They, they get, you know what? They get killed all the time. They're terrible. I mean, we even have come to the spot where there's just, there's just the one last one. There's the last one who hasn't been trained by anybody and whoops the shit out of the one who's been trained by the master. It's okay. Anyways, um, then Luke gets in front of Jabba's mind trick doesn't work. R2-D2 is nowhere to be seen. For some reason, Leah is there as a prisoner. So that's the best explanation that Mr. Ryan could come up with. Uh, if he does say, you can contact Mike directly on Twitter. So if you want to take up umbrage with Mr. Ryan's take on things, is at Mike Ryan, M-I-K-E-R-Y-A-N. So this is interesting. You, you <clears throat> recently, not too long ago, you posted a, on your site, you posted a problem you had. You were watching Punisher and yep. something happened in Punisher and it pulled you out of the story. Yes. And the uh, post that you made was sort of talking about like, so this is a problem because it pulled me out of the story. Right. Which is an opinion and as an opinion is not defensible. Right. Mm -hmm. Which didn't stop this great, big, long, interesting conversation going on about people who are like, no, 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 man, it was fine. Here's what probably happened. Yeah. Which is interesting to know, and you, I learned a lot more about guns and stuff, but it kept coming back to like, sure, but for me, we're having this conversation to begin with right? because it pulled me out of the story. Because I'm a person who actually shoots handguns and does training on them for the books, and even with my limited experience, but I have experience of trained like 30 times or something like mm -hmm. that, I was still taken out of the story. Right. So you're, the average viewer doesn't have even the small body of knowledge that I have, the average viewer has no body of knowledge, which I guess in, in some ways makes it better. They're like, whatever. But people who know some degree of firearms, a lot of them were taken out of the story. Yeah. So, but, but this is actually the opposite of that situation. Where okay. You were watching a brand new, fresh live story, you know, watching it on, uh, unfold in real time on your TV. And you were like, oh, man. That doesn't, like, I see the wizard behind the curtain. I see, oh, I see the Jabba behind the curtain. I see what you're saying, yeah. I see the Jabba behind the curtain. And then with this, it's 30 some odd years later, and we're all like, oh, I never even thought about that one time. I know, and now we go back and watch it. Uh, also, and it's fascinating conversation. It's totally true. Yeah. Is it true that Jabba the Hutt was voiced by Ed McMahon? Oh. oh I don't think that's oh, true at all. That's another Colt 45 caliber joke. Ooh, that's good. I just made that. Brought I, that around. I'll give you the 45. Right now, there's a lot of people of my age who are like, that's funny. And a lot of people younger being like, In a vast dude, lay off the crack. Are like, oh my God, get me my phone again. I have to Google that. <laughs> you know what? They're like, okay, I got to text and do a quick snap. Uh, I probably won't finish this podcast. <laughs> so we hope you have enjoyed this episode. Episode 34. Oh, wait, wait. Snap. Hold on. Since, uh, let me, you know what? Hold on. Uh oh. I got to tell people, you can find that story at uprocks, U P R O X X dot com. Just go there. It's a very popular article for them right now. You'll find it. And just, or Google, we dare you to explain Luke's plan. Then people can read it themselves. Go ahead. Yep. And we'll actually put we'll link a it. link to this in the post in case you want to go there. Which will be um, at scottsigler.com slash podcast slash Luke plan. Okay. We hope you enjoyed episode 34 of Stories Map. You can find Scott and I online. Scott is at Scott Sigler on Twitter and Instagram, and his Facebook page is facebook.com slash Scott Sigler. I'm at a real girl on Twitter and at a.real.girl on Instagram. You can find us online at facebook.com slash Stories We'd love to see your comments there. 
You can find us on iTunes, search for Scott Sigler Audiobooks, and subscribe. You'll get a free, unabridged audiobook episode every Sunday. We hope you subscribe to Scott Sigler Audiobooks so you can hear more Story Smack goodness in the future. Until the next episode, we will talk to you all real real soon. soon. Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.